Hello, church family. This is the last part of chapter four. Uh, again, just to kind of, or by way of review, uh, you remember that this is the part of the chapter in the book of Esther where uh, Haman, uh, after giving a plot to exterminate all the Jews, Mordecai gets horrified and gets uh, broken because he realizes that this is all his his doing. It was <coughs> it was his own pride uh, that got all the Jews into this mess and he wanted to figure out a way to get out of it. So he goes to the queen and asks for help. And uh, you remember he was like, he couldn't go to the gate because uh, people that were put, that wore sackcloth are not allowed to enter into the gate. So the queen tried to uh, figure out what's going on. So he, she sends one of uh, her servants to go and runs back and forth and they're playing telephone about what to do. And in the end, uh, Esther just tells him, uh, I'm going to do my best to try to get the king's attention, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't allow me to enter in, then there's nothing I can do. Then I'll die. And uh, Mordecai talks about how, you know, if uh, don't think that just because you're a queen that uh, that you're safe, and that uh, when they start exterminating all of us, they'll go after the queen. Uh, so we've been talking about how like the contrasting uh, attributes of man and God when we see who man is in light of who God is, it should force us to trust in God. Uh, we talk about how man's action versus God's result, and that uh, God, man does all the things that are seemingly providential to them, but God, it also fulfills God's sovereign plan. Uh, and yesterday we talked about how there's a limit there's a limit to man who man is, but God himself is infinite. Um, and that should cause us to not to think about the importance of our own abilities, our own talents, or even our people in our, in our life, but we can look above and trust in the God who's infinite, who knows all things, who works everything out, who works out every little detail of life, and that's the God that we need to worship. That's the God that we need to place our trust in, uh, and that's the God that will give us comfort. Um, and, the, and the scripture gives us a basically an entire testament of God's faithfulness, so today we're going to talk about man's perspective versus God's perspective. Oftentimes, uh, our view of life is only uh, is very short-sighted, and we think of what we think might happen, but God has a greater plan in all of the and everything. Uh, you'll remember why I see this, and when we look at uh, chapter four, verse fourteen, and I said this, I alluded to the verse multiple times in this this last week. Mordecai said, "For if you remain silent at this time." Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. And I've said this over, uh, I think almost every time, every part of this section is that this is the most theological Mordecai gets. This is the most theological statement at this point that he, that he said. Um, he has some sort of understanding that in God's total sovereign plan that God will protect the Jews. Though he does not name God, he does speak of his attributes. He speaks of what God has done. He's probably thinking about the Exodus. Um, there's certain language here that seems, uh, word or phrase that seems like it's from the book of Exodus. Um, there's also uh, just the through the Joshua and the Judges and the first and second Kings, the first and second Samuel. All of these uh, parts of how, how it seems like uh, Israel is done with, done away with, but God always preserves His people. And it's evident even by the fact that the Jews are in exile now under a Persian captivity. Um, that God is still 
preserving a remnant. And uh, even if these remnants of people are not at this point uh, faithful or, or bow the knee to the Lord, that he still protects them. Um, the purposes of God is greater than the actions of, uh, of man or even the fa- or the inactions of humans. And that should be a, a thought that for us that it should be a humbling thought for us that, that like what, whatever we do, there's no way that we can juke the Lord. There's no way that we can uh, uh, ch- like trick the Lord into uh, or confuse the Lord with their life. Um, my old, I, had this, uh, I heard this one college pastor speak about human will, of, of human responsibility versus God's sovereignty. And he said that when he was younger, he tried to see if God knew where he was going to go. So he was trying, he was walking to his mailbox and he like, all of a sudden just like sidestep to the left and sidestep to the right and then looked weird from, a, from, you know, from people watching him. But he's trying to see, oh, does God really know which step I'm going to take? And the answer is yes. Uh, the weird steps that you take how, or the things that you do in life, God knows every single one of your actions. And even the things that doesn't make any sense, it is completely part of God's sovereign plan. In the moment, in our perspective, it seems that life is bleak, but God always works things out. Uh, when I was working at Grace Church, there was a lady there that I, I truly believe is the reason why Grace Church still exists. She says, Sweet old lady, her name is Carol. She, if you're gone to if you've gone to Shepherd Conference with me, I've I've, I've, I've uh, introduced you to this dear saint because she is like the backbone of Grace Church. It's not even John MacArthur. It's this one lady. Uh, she's just an amazing prayer warrior. She prays for every single person at Grace Community Church. Uh, every Sunday when we have these little cards, uh, there's attendance cards at the back. There's like, you can write down your prayer. She prays through each and every single one of them. Uh, every Tuesday when I get in, I see her have this entire stack and she just prays through each and every single one of them. And what's amazing is like, it's because she keeps praying for them that she sees God's faithfulness. Um, and that God just answered prayers. And I remember a time, uh, when I was engaged when I, um, I was engaged to Kelly when I started working at Grace, and then uh, I was telling her, oh, man, it's, it seems like 11 months is so far away. And she's like, oh, don't worry, Ray. It'll all work out. Everything works out. And she always reminds me of this. And every time I walked in and then as the engagement get, felt like eternity get getting closer, she's like, oh, don't worry. Uh, just continue trusting the Lord. And I know this is stressful, but it's a great time. Everything will be okay. And... Uh, and yeah, everything was okay. And I think she's just this dear saint that always reminds me of perspective. And she always shared these stories about her own life and how the Lord was faithful to her and had all this. And, you know, because of her unique position at the church, you just see how God's sovereign hand just providentially worked through everyone. And again, this is a constant lesson that we need in our life uh, and that we need to have perspective, that our limited perspective often focus on just deliverance in the moment. Uh, we always pray that the problem that we have now could be done away with instead of trusting the Lord in the middle of the moment in light of how God is going to use this for his glory. This is a constant lesson in life uh, to have our perspective focus on the Lord. Even uh, collectively, if we were to actually look at everything, if we could combine all our perspective in life, we will never be able to fully grasp what God is doing. Because, again, like I said yesterday, God is greater than all of us. I mean, this is what Genesis 50, verse 20, when Joseph uh, was sold into Egypt and he was you know, so he was sold by his brothers and he was there for years at a time. And at the end, when his brothers thought that 
Joseph was going to kill him. He said, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. And yeah, those times in the middle of like being locked in prison and being lied and slandered, uh, he in the end saw God's perspective in all of these things, that God preserved his people through the brother's sin. This is what we'll see again here. Esther is the same way. Mordecai understands that. Like, even he, though he doesn't know how it's going to work out, he knows that God is going to protect his people. He knows enough scripture to know that. Now I wonder, do you know enough of scripture to believe that? Do you know enough of God's word to trust that what is, whatever is going to happen in the future is going to be our for good? Um, Mordecai, uh, had like a, like a kind of like a weak faith, but he still had a little bit of faith in the sense that he at least had an intellectual uh, grasp of this truth. But we have the totality of the Old Testament and it should give us uh, a greater trust. That, hey, look, everything that is worked out in the Old Testament, God in 2,000 years has kept the Old Testament and the New, and uh, for all this time, everything worked out. Um, only through the rear view mirror of life that we begin to see only partially how God has used every situation in life. Um, part of the reason why I love studying the Old Testament is because it gives us instruction about um, you know what is what happens in the past and what is to come. Because God is faithful in the past, we can trust that he'll be faithful in the present and into the future. That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 10, verse, chapter 10, verse 11. Now, these things happen to them as an example, this is meaning all the events that happened in the Old Testament. Uh, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. So Paul here speaks about how the Old Testament will give us an example so that we can fight sin, so we can not be tempted to be swayed to other things or other gods, but to, to be faithful to the Lord. The word where Israel failed, we can see how that affects uh, their lives and the entire nation. And we as a Christian, we need to see these things as an le- as a, as a object lesson so that we do not fall into the same sins as Israel. Scripture as a whole, again, is a testimony of God's sovereign hand in light of the limited perspective of man. Um, the more you read the Scripture, the more it should give you assurance. <laughs> Last year, when we were going through the book of Ruth, I remember Ruth chapter 4, um, how uh, this is when Boaz uh, was going to try to you know, redeem his uh, his bride, or his, or he's going to try to redeem Ruth. And you remember that he tried to use all of the legal jargon to try to get his way, try to like, or at least try to sweeten the pots, so or, or even try to make it so that he can have more chances of winning uh, Ruth. You know, he talks to this, this nameless individual, uh, with a bunch of elders, and he met them at the gate. It was this public place, and it's uh, it like a. And he asked, the, he tells them, "Oh, there's this lady, the Ruth, this Moabite. Uh, she had this. Um, her husband is deceased, and you're the closest relative. And uh, and even before he reveals that, this man that that his closest relative wanted to buy this land, but then when he found out that it comes with Ruth, he said, "Okay, never mind. You can have her, have the land, and have her instead." And we see in that moment in time that the Redeemer is actually not Ruth or Boaz. Because in the end, in chapter 4, uh, verse 16, uh, when we're referring to Naomi, we see that it's actually the grandson, meaning Boaz and Ruth's son, that's the Redeemer. Because through him, 
he's able to continue on that line. Uh, so here, then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. Then the woman gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is a father of Jesse, the father of David. So this is the reason, like Obed is going to be the reason why, um, you know, the line continues. And again, Ruth at the time, neither Ruth nor Boaz nor uh, Naomi understood that there's even a greater significance in that through their line, there's the, uh, King David's going to be there. Uh, and you know, King David, uh, people argued the reason why the book of Ruth was written is because people questioned uh, David's genealogy and they said, oh, this guy is not a full Jew. And it's true, he isn't. He's part Gentile. Um, but but there are so there are some Gentiles even at that time that were more godlier than some of the Jews in the time of David. So he so the Book of Ruth was written for us really to see uh, God's sovereign hand even with Gentiles, people that are least expected, um, and just give us perspective on on everything that goes on in life. Our little lives are filled are filled with seemingly random events. That's always part of God's. Um, intended will. Uh, I said this little line yesterday that providence <clears throat> is a soft pillow for the head of the believer because we when we understand that everything works out for our good, we can rest we can rest. We can relax. Uh, we don't have to be anxious about anything. This is exactly this I mean um, this is exactly what we need to understand and grasp. In fact uh, MacArthur said this a few weeks ago that it's actually, it's actually kind of exciting during this time to see what God is, will do next. Yes, it's terrifying at times. Yes, it's scary to see all the death and everything. But at the same time, you understand that God is doing something and something that we can't fully grasp yet. And we may not even know in this life. Some of us might be like Job. At the end of this, we don't even know. But at the same time, like Job, what we need to focus on is perspective. And that's what, even at the end of Job, that's what God gives him. He doesn't answer him um, point blank, but he just asks him a whole bunch of rhetorical questions to put Job in his place, to get him to see the, uh, the big picture. And this is what we always need to think about, that, that in God's perspective, everything uh, is going to ultimately bring him glory. Don't worry about tomorrow. Rather, focus on what you need to do. That's why I said yesterday, focus on the task at hand. But if this virus was to take you, understand that it's it's okay. Because what is there for us to lose? We gain Christ. And this is the attitude that Paul has in Philippians 2. Right? Paul said that if he was to live, then he could continue serving the church, and that's great. But if he was to die, that is also great, because for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. He has to gain Christ. Now, this is the attitude that we need to have as well, that, that we can't cherish the things in this life. Uh, I mean, the worst, I mean, this life as a believer is the closest we get to hell. Like, as hard as this life is, that this is the worst it can get in all of eternity, and that's okay. Relative to the eternity with the Lord, in paradise, without sin, with our glorified body, and with Christ forever, this is nothing. This is just a drop in a bucket in a sea of eternity. So my hope in this, in chapter 4, and the exhortation for us is to read the Bible more and see how the, uh, the scripture plays out. And as you understand how the Bible comes together, when you think critically about how God is weaving his plan through history, we can trust in his in him even more. We can see a greater perspective of who he is. We can see 
that we can um, uh, contemplate in the power of God and how he works everything out again for our good and for his glory. So those are the three contrasts, man's actions versus man versus God's results, uh, man's finiteness versus God's infinitude, and lastly, man's perspective versus God's perspective. And, the, and, if, and as we dwell on the greatness of God, no matter how great the trials in this life, it will just make things uh, so much smaller because we worship a God that's just so much bigger and just grander than anything any problem that this world has. Let me close our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, just who you are. Um, we trust you even when we have no clue what's going to happen in the next day. And that should give us assurance because we are not you. We don't need to figure all the little details out. We can just entrust our lives to you because we're safe in your hands. Uh, even if we lose this life, we can have assurance knowing that the next life is just so much sweeter. Uh, may we um, dwell in that reality. May we keep having an eternal perspective on things in this life, not to lose hope or lose joy, because we know that this is um, good for us, that we can trust you in all things. Thank you for this time. Your son's name I pray. Amen. And uh, before I end, if you have any questions about anything, uh, feel free to send me some questions. Uh, I think my hope tomorrow we're going to answer some more COVID-19 type questions. Um, but if you haven't already, I would ask you, I would advise you to listen to that John Piper thing that he released a few weeks ago. Uh, I, feel, I feel like that pretty much answers everything that I want to say about the COVID-19. Um, in fact, I might even take a whole bunch of stuff from him. But there are some other things, I think, from just from our SFBC perspective, how we can deal with certain things. So there are some questions regarding that. So if you have any questions about that or life in general, feel free to ask questions and don't worry. I don't know who sends what, uh, but so you don't have to be, you don't have to worry. I'm going to call anyone out and I'm going to try to find out who asked the questions as well. And uh, again, my wife and I are, we miss you guys and we I pray that uh, we can see you guys all soon. Okay. Take care.